0: We're continuing our series on the wilderness, university, learning the lessons that God was trying to teach His people, Israel, through the wilderness. And I, and I thought about the next area, and I thought how, you know, we we have this tendency in us to want to be independent of God. You can call it an independent streak, independent spirit, whatever it is, there's this tendency we want to go our own way do our own thing have it our way it's amazing to me how our country is so divided in so many ways but permeating throughout not just our country but the world is it it's nothing new but it, you know as fact it goes all the way back to garden of eden adam and eve were tempted by satan and satan said As he was speaking through a serpent, he said, you don't need God. You can know good and evil without God. You don't need to listen to him. You can have all knowledge and wisdom, the ability to know good and evil, and you don't need God. In other words, Satan was saying, you can decide what's good and bad. You can decide what's right and wrong. You don't need God. You know, Satan hadn't changed his tune. He's still feeding the same lie. And all over this nation, there's this spirit, this attitude of I want to do it my way and I don't want God to get in my way. You know what's amazing about that? You and I were created to be one with God. You were custom designed to need God. Isn't it interesting that... Satan would try to convince you you don't need God, but in reality you were designed to need God. You were not designed to be independent of God. And whenever we go our own way and do our own thing and think we don't need God, that's when we're the most miserable. We believe the lie, and in believing the lie we're empty, we're miserable, and then we try to fill our life with all kinds of empty stuff. Stuff that doesn't fill us, it doesn't satisfy us. Only the presence of God, only God in you, only Him loving you and you loving Him and having a relationship with Him. That's the only thing that satisfies us. And today, as we take our next journey through the wilderness, God wants to deal with that independent spirit, that Independent attitude. Remember the first week, he put them in a place where there was bitter water. He wanted to cleanse bitterness. He knew that was a necessary thing. He knew it would be necessary for us. Last week, as Ben preached, showed us about the bread from heaven and how that spoke about Jesus. It was a picture and a type of Jesus being the bread of life. And today, we're in another area of the book of Exodus, chapter 17. And God brings them to a place in the wilderness. And it says they moved around and they finally set them at Rephidium. And it was a place where there was no water. No water. So I want us to read that. And God is going to speak to us, I believe, through this passage. Let's look at it. Exodus 17, we're going to pick up verse 1. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of Sin. Uh, Actually, it would be pronounced Sin. It's a shortened version of Sinai, uh, where the Mount Sinai is. And they moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim. There was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. What are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? These bunch of whippersnappers. These bunch of whinies. I'm adding a little bit there, you know, just... And he said, they are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, now I I find it amazing that God did not address their whining, their complaint. He doesn't say a word about this. Moses is complaining to the Lord, saying they're ready to stone me. God doesn't address that at, at all. Look what God says. Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, a wooden staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told. And water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa. Which means a test. And Meribah which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Interesting. Now, you have to ask yourself, first of all, a very pretty obvious question. Of all the places God would bring these whining people would be a place where there's no water. Could God have brought them to a place where there's plenty of water? He's the God of the universe. I'm sure he could have. But God specifically, purposefully put them at a place where there was no water. And that that speaks to me. And I believe it's one of the lessons he wants us to learn in Wilderness University. And that is, number one... God brings us to places to make us thirsty for Him. He brings us to places where we are thirsty for Him. God does that in your life. He does that in my life. He causes you to get in certain places. You may wonder why are things going the way they're going in your life. You may wonder why... You're going through a certain desert, a certain area. Maybe you're going through a financial desert right now. Maybe you're going through a health desert or a discouragement desert. Maybe you're going to a place and yet there's a drought in a certain area of your life. And you're wondering, God, what are you doing? You could have done it differently. You could have put me in a place where there was plenty. But he didn't. Because... Whenever we have this idea, we don't need God. Then He brings us to a place in our life where we have to be thirsty for Him. So if you ask yourself, why am I where I'm at today? Perhaps you need to realize that you've begun to think, I can do it without God you begin begun to think, I, I don't need God. Or that thought is beginning to cross through your mind. And if it is, don't be surprised that God brings you to a place where there's no water. Don't be surprised that God draws you to a place where you are forced to be hungry. Forced to be thirsty for God. We said it earlier today. He's looking for hungry and thirsty people. But here again, there's this nature within us. This tendency, you can call it whatever you will, but this tendency to go our own way, do our own thing and think, I don't need God. And I just want you to know God loves you so much. When he sees that tendency, don't be surprised when he leads you to a place where there's no water. Because He loves you and wants that relationship with you. He does not want you to be independent of Him. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants that relationship so much that He will do whatever is necessary to bring you to that point where you are desperate for God. But it also kind of brings up another tendency we have. Did you catch what they had a tendency to do? And that is, number two, when we're in those places of desperation, when he gets gets us to those places, we often blame others for our situation. You see, a lot of times... It wasn't others that got us where we were. It was our own heart. It was our own one willingness to need God, to hunger for God. But what we do when we get there, we blame others. Sometimes we blame leaders. You know, that's where we are as Americans. We've gotten this attitude that our leaders are the problem. Our leaders are not the problem They're not the solution and they're not the problem. We are where we are today because as a nation, we have decided we don't need God. You can stop thinking it's Trump's fault or Obama's fault or whoever's fault. It is no one's fault but our own fault. We have sinned against a holy God. We have gone our own way, done our own thing and said we don't need God. The way we respond to leadership says something about us. And we need to stop thinking and focusing on leaders. We should respect leadership. We should respect those in authority. God tells us that. That all the authorities that are established are there because God has established authority and He wants to work through those authorities. But... They're not our problem. It was not Moses' fault. They had no water. It was their fault. They had come to a point where they failed to see they needed God. And so God said, okay, you think you don't need me? We'll see how you handle no water. (laughs) This was the Lord's doing. This was not Moses. But of course, the leadership always gets the brunt of it. That's the way it is. But I want to encourage you. When you get in a desperate situation. Don't blame others. That's fruitless. It doesn't help. Instead, when you're in a desperate situation. Instead of looking outward at your problems. Look inward and say, oh, God, cleanse my heart. Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in my heart. Oh, God, help me to have a right attitude in my heart. Lord, help me to hunger and thirst for you with all of my heart. That's one thing I see here. And you know, this is not the only time Israel whined and complained. (laughs) They do this over and over and over. Boy, how, how quickly they forget. How quickly we forget how faithful God has been. And did you notice there in verse seven of this, as we read this, it says, they begin to say, is God with us? You see, that's what we'll do. Not only do we blame others, we begin to wonder, is God with us? Is he here? I don't feel his presence. I don't feel like God is doing everything he's supposed to be doing. Somehow we think God is not living up to his bargain. But that's not the case. If you don't feel his presence, it's because you don't hunger for him. Because he said, blessed are those who are thirsty and hungry, for they shall be filled. You will be filled. He'll fill you with His presence if you're hungry. Why would God put the meal, the fine meal out in front of you if you're not hungry? We wonder why, you know, how come, well, first we get hungry. Then God begins to fill our needs. So I want to encourage you today. In a desperate situation. And I, I have no doubt there are people in this room today. God has brought you to a place of desperation. I encourage you, stop looking out. Stop looking at leaders. Stop looking at others. Stop looking to blame everybody else. But get on your knees and say, Oh God, search my heart. Search me, oh Lord. The third thing I see here. Jesus is the rock that quenches our thirst. Think about the rock. Why in the world did God want water to come out of a rock? Did you catch the fact that he said, Moses, go out a little bit, bring some elders with you. And did you catch this? He said, I'm going to stand on the rock. (laughs) How about that? God was going to make sure Moses would not make or find the wrong rock. I don't know about you, but thank God he makes sure that we don't get to the wrong place. And God was so confident in his ability to get lost (laughs) that he said, okay, I'm going to stand on the rock. So my picture of this, since it's the cloud of his glory that led them, I have a feeling that the cloud of God's glory went out ahead of Moses, and that cloud of his glory rested on a rock. And my idea, probably a big rock. Now, how many of you know wooden sticks do not split big rocks? If you've ever tried it, you're wasting your time. It doesn't happen. So why in the world... I mean, God could have said, go over here, dig a little bit. That makes a whole lot more sense. And water is going to start come gushing out. But God had a raging, gushing spring behind a large rock. And it might have been there for a couple of thousand years. Ready. Prepared. Because it was the rock. And God said, just go over there. I'll show you. I'll hover over a certain rock. You take your staff, the same one that you touched the Red Sea with and it parted. Take that wooden staff and strike that rock. And he said, water will come out. And in front of the elders, in front of the people, he did it. And probably to the biggest surprise of all, Moses, (laughs) water came gushing out. Amazing. So, still begs the question, why do it that way? Why water out of a rock? You have to jump ahead 3,000 years to see the answer. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. It says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. So see, that was a picture of them being baptized. Verse 3, all of them ate the same spiritual food. We talked about, Ben talked about that last week, how they ate the manna. So they're eating the spiritual food. Now, verse 4, And they all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. <laughs> and that rock was Christ. That rock, that day, was a beautiful picture of Jesus. Do you see the picture? The rod, the wooden rod, the wooden staff, is a picture of the cross. And He struck the rock as when God struck Jesus at the cross. And out of that striking comes eternal life for you and I. The most beautiful picture of the cross is being the provision for our salvation. Jesus is the eternal life, the eternal spiritual water. It's interesting because it says the rock that followed them. And the reason it says that is that Jesus kept showing up here, there, here, there, all through the wilderness We talked about it the first week. Remember what they did to make the water sweet instead of bitter? They threw in the wood, the stick. That was a picture of Jesus. So all through the wilderness experience, Jesus was following them. He was there to show you types and pictures and shadows of who He was. And how he is the one, when God struck Jesus by sending him to the cross, it was the smiting referred to in Isaiah 53. It says he was smitten by God. The striking by the cross, by that staff, was the picture that when that rock was struck, out of it flowed rivers of living water. Our eternal salvation poured out and fed and they drank that spiritual water. You see, God is all about pictures, signs, types, and analogies. Because we've already read, it's just a few passages past in 1 Corinthians 10. He said everything He did in the wilderness, He did as an example for us. So God is painting a picture 3,000 years early of God dealing with man. But He's also dropping pictures of Jesus and the cross and our salvation. And it's the reason He decided water would come out of a rock. What an amazing picture. Today, you have eternal water, living water flowing into your life because Jesus was crucified at the cross. Because God made the decision to have Jesus at the cross and His shed blood paid the price so that you could have a relationship with Him. Now, did Moses see this? No. I don't think he did. I don't think he comprehended unless God somehow spoke this to him. But... I think he just probably was living day by day. I mean, you're with, you know, a couple million whining people. You're just, just glad to get through the day alive. You know? I doubt he was looking for all the deep spiritual stuff uh, unless God spoke it to him. And so that day, I think he probably just made it through the day and was thanking God Almighty that water came out of the rock. And the fact that it was coming out of a rock really didn't hit him. But... It makes a big deal a little bit later. Because this comes back around again. 30 years later. 30 years later. Now, they've been walking in the wilderness. A lot of things have happened. We'll be looking at some of those things, but I just want to jump ahead. Because this water out of a rock thing happens again. Y'all realize that? We're going to look at it, and it brings up the fourth thing I think that is so important for us to see. And that is, we have to be careful not to add to the finished work of Jesus at the cross. And I think that's what's about to happen here. Let's look at it. It's in Numbers chapter 20. It's a little lengthy, but I think the whole picture is important here. So let's read it. The first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived at the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. So we know it's a different place. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. Miriam was Moses' sister. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They have not learned a whole lot. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Now that's a reference of a few chapters earlier, when Korah had a rebellion against God, remember? And God opened up the ground, and 250 uh, re- who rebelled against Moses were swallowed up. So they're still reeling from that. And so now, boy, I want to tell you, these people are a bunch of whiners. I just want to tell you that. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? They're always worried about their livestock. You notice that? Why did you make us leave Egypt? They keep going back to Egypt and bring us here in this terrible place. This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no Wi-Fi, and no water to drink. Pitiful. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle. So now they've got a tabernacle. That's what's happened in, the, in, in that, you know, God has showed them about the tabernacle and they built the tabernacle. Where they fell face down on the ground, then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff. And assemble the entire community. It's interesting that God tells him to take a staff. As the people watch. Speak to the rock over there. And it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So how many of you understand what God just said to do? Take your staff. Walk over there to that rock. And he said, I want you to speak to the rock. Now, that's almost as crazy as hitting it with the stick. Speak to the rock. Let's see what happens. So Moses did what he was told. As he was told, he took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. And by the way, that's inside the ark. Remember, they would keep the staff in the ark. He and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you bunch of rebellious whining people, you! He shouted. I'm adding a little. But must we bring you water from this rock? Then rock... Excuse me. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. And water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. To the people, it seems like everything's okay. They got what they wanted, they wanted water. For them, everything's normal. They remember back when. Moses struck the rock and water came out. As far as they're concerned, he struck it again, twice, and water came out. They got their water, no problem. But there is a problem. Did you catch what Moses did not do? He didn't do what God said. He said, Moses, speak to it. He did say, bring your staff with you. But he didn't say, use it. Now look at the next verse, verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. Wow. Put up with these people all these years. You lead them through the wilderness. You put up with all kinds of grief. You get this far. And because of one small disobedience. Now, I remember the first time I read this thinking, now, Lord, that was a high cost, that was a lot. You kept him out of the land of prom- the promised land. You, you kept him out of that. You you took away his leadership for that. And you know as a pastor I can understand his frustration. Basically Moses got frustrated with the people and lost his focus on God. Forgot about what God said. And out of his emotions and his feelings he reacted. And You've probably anybody ever lost their cool before, and you're kind of upset at them, and you just chewed them out one side, down the other. Y'all ever done that? Y'all look so holy; it's hard to believe y'all would do that. Come on, men, let me see your hand. Y'all ever done that? Yeah, I got see some men that got both their hands up. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? You just lost it, and you just chewed them out. Hopefully, it wasn't your wife. That's non-productive, man. That's a downhill battle right there. But it doesn't matter who you lost it with. You just lost it. You're mad. You're frustrated. You're upset. Emotions get all stirred up. You're already mad at them. Now they've done something really bad. And you just let them have it. So I can personally understand How Moses loses it here. But did you catch what God said? Moses and Aaron. Because you did not consider me holy. And you did not want to reverence me. And demonstrate my holiness. And the holiness would be the reference of obedience to do it God's way. But if you really want to know why it was so important, then all you have to do is go back to what was a picture of the rock. The rock was Jesus. And the first time it was struck, it was struck once. That was a picture of his crucifixion at the cross. And so when Moses struck the rock twice, it was a picture... Of mankind trying to add to the work of Jesus by our own good works. A person who thinks they're going to get to God by their good works will miss out on the promised land. Because you cannot have a relationship with God through your good works. Your good efforts will not pay it. And he's a, it's, it was like a warning to us, 3,000 years later, it was a warning to us, there's a high cost associated with thinking that you can attain heaven by your good works. If you're here this morning, maybe you're here for the very first time. I just want to say to you, I want to say it clearly. There is nothing that saves us except the precious blood of Jesus. There is nothing that gives us relationship with God. Except the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is only what Jesus did at the cross. That pays for our salvation. And the moment. You start adding to that. You're going down a slippery slide. I never will forget. We had a young man. Who who actually worked in our church. This was back when we were on Bow High. And he was kind of like a maintenance guy. And I know he, he. You know he was, he's. He's. Fairly young Christian, but he was going, uh, he was listening to some people I thought were a little off in left field. I'll never forget, I was up on the stage and he was cleaning up. I said, hey, how you doing, man? Doing fine, doing fine. He said, Brother Nay, you mind if I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, when you got baptized, did the preacher say... In Jesus' name only. And I said, Well, it's been a long time. But I believe. He said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I believe. And he said, Oh my goodness. He said, You're going to hell. Now, I thought it was kind of strange. I'm the pastor of the church, and he's a maintenance guy. <laughs> he's telling me I'm going to go to hell. And I said, come on now, are you serious? He said, oh, yeah. If you don't have those words, and just those words, you're going to hell. And he went on to explain, you know, it's, I've heard all the verses before. And I said, let me just say this. First of all, you're wrong. I am going to heaven. And I have a relationship with Jesus. And I said, this is where you're wrong. I said, the moment you start adding to any work of your own, to the shed blood of Jesus, then you are trying to attempt to say that you and your efforts can add to what Jesus did at the cross. And I said, that doesn't happen. Me doing anything in the water and what that guy said does not equal The blood of Jesus at the cross. But you know when you're dogmatic and you're thinking. And you've been told this a hundred thousand times. A lot of times people you know they blank out. But I just want to say this to you. That's just one of many doctrines. That get people out in left field. But hold to the truth. That it is only the blood. It is only the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ where we have salvation. We have forgiveness of sin. We are sinners because of our the nature that we've sinned against a holy God. And He provided a way. And to me, this whole scenario, this whole thing in Numbers twenty, is there for one reason to warn us 3,000 years later, don't add to the cross of Jesus. Don't think that you can do something that can add to the cross. And when Moses struck it twice, it was a picture of adding to what he had done earlier. And the first time was a picture of him being crucified at the cross. Now you're adding something to it. And so that's why it was such a high cost. So important to God. And then there's one other lesson that I think God wants to speak to us. And that is, kind of brings up a whole other question about this scenario. Why in the world did God say, speak to the rock? Why did he say that? What And and again, I always have to believe that everything that happened happened for a reason. And if he's drawing us a picture, there's a picture that he's saying to us. And so, yeah, it's important that Moses struck the rock twice. That was a warning to us. But what was God saying when he said, speak to the rock? And when you speak to the rock, water will come gushing out. The clear answer to that question. And now we jump all the way into the New Testament, and now we look at the words of Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Jesus said it this way He said, On that last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, anyone who believes in me may come. And drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water. You see here's, this is great news. How can you get saved today? How can you have living water today? Speak to the rock! You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. How do you get born again? You speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water comes flowing out into you, and you become a resident now of the living water of God. Now, what happens once you're born again? I love this. Now, once you're born again, did you know you have an eternal residing presence of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you? Now, somebody comes to you. You're born again. You're full of the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They walk up to you and they're hungry and thirsty about Jesus and they speak to you and what do you do let the rivers of living water flow out of you to them that they can hear the gospel they can hear the message that they can be born again you become the rock Jesus Speaking out of you. Flowing out of you. The end or the next part of this passage in John 37. It says, this he spoke of the Spirit which had not yet been given. It's the Holy Spirit flowing out of us. It's a picture of the living water of God flowing out of us. When you first speak to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned against a holy God. I am wrong. I have done my own thing. I've gone my own way. Oh God, forgive me. I claim the blood of Jesus as my salvation. He who is the rock flows into us. Rivers of living water. And it's not just a one time, but now we have a resident wells. Spring flowing within us that is ready to flow out to other people if they are thirsty and now you become the rivers of living water flowing out of you what a beautiful picture you can have eternal life you can have living water I'm convinced that there are some people here today that God has led you To a place to force you to be thirsty. You may be in a desperate situation today. Hungry. You know, you might have come into this room hungry and thirsty and you don't even know who you're hungry for. I can tell you, you're hungry for Jesus. You're thirsty for Jesus. Because He's the only one who will fill your need. He's the only one who will satisfy you. Today, I want you to respond and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Allow the living water from the Lord Jesus Himself to flow into your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. This morning, you're not here by chance. The Holy Spirit is here. He has invaded our hearts. He has permeated this place. And He is here this morning, ready to pour out living water. To be living water flowing out of Jesus into your life. He's also ready to use you so that you can be a rock. You can be a source of living water for other people. But this morning, I just want to speak to those people. God has you here and He has been working in your life. He's been kind of meddling with your life. And God has you at a place Where you're desperate. Not by chance. God has you here. So that you would be thirsty for Him today. You would be willing to speak to the rock. And let the rock flow into your life. And give you eternal life. You're here today. And you are hungry for God. You need You're desperate For living water I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand Anybody You're desperate for God Yes, anybody else Yes, anybody else Desperate for God Hungry for God Several of you, raise your hand Yes Yes Thank you, Lord. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to stand to our feet. Worship team is going to sing. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Receive living water. Down in my soul, can't contain and I can't control.
1: I want more of
0: you, God. I want more of you. Set a fight down myself yes, that I can I can't control. Put a fire in our heart, Lord, that we can't contain it. A hunger that we can't contain, Lord. And Father, I pray that you brought individuals to this room, this day, this place, for a reason that, Lord, you brought them and made them hungry. Maybe they're in a desperate place. And Lord, I ask you this morning, they would be willing to step out and receive that living water that only comes from you that they would be satisfied with only you can meet that need worship team is going to continue to sing but I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat several of you raise your hand I'm going to ask you to meet me right here others of you, you're here today for a reason would you make your way down and say yes I need that living water I need it today would you come Would you respond to the Spirit of God? Yes. Would you come? Yes. Yes. Come on. Anybody else? Yes. Come on. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Draw people by your Spirit, Lord. Yes. Come on. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Yes. Yes, young man. Come on. Yes. God. I want, I want more, more of you, God. God. Of down Amen. In my soul, Thank you for that I, today. Can't contain. I can't control it. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask you to pray out loud with me. And again, it's just, we're speaking to the rock. We're just saying, Jesus, we need you. We need you, Lord, to fill me, to forgive me, to restore me. God wants to give you a new life. Others of you, you're maybe you're just hungry for God. Just want to invite you to come. If you're hungry for God, you just feel by the Spirit you need to come. I want to ask for just an infilling of His Spirit hungry for god thank you lord anybody else yes lord yes thank you okay we're gonna pray i'm gonna ask we're gonna pray out loud okay i'm gonna lead you i'm gonna ask you to pray after me and i just want you to understand if you're sincere in your heart god does a miracle he puts a new heart inside of you. Takes out your old heart. Gives you a brand new heart. And he forgives you of all of your sin. You can start over again. Let's pray out loud. And if you all want to pray with me out there, you can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I accept the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, you're the rock. Fill me with the living water. Fill me with the ri- the rivers of living water. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me on the inside, Lord. I've tried to be good on my own, and I can't do it. I fail every time, and I ask you to help me, Lord. Change me on the inside. And make me a brand new person. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you.